received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. Amen. He never read that scripture of, of ever, and even the next day that morning he says, man, I'm blown away at that scripture that you read me, because I thought there was just this grace, and you're good to go, and whatever you do, there's grace. Um, if you repent, you repent from That's it, right. You know, yeah. there is. It's a synergy that you do your part. God needs you to have one. Yes, there is forgiveness, but it, it call, the Bible calls for a true repentance not to be repented of. But, you know, I, I speak to these people, and, and I, I know that God's using me in this, but, you know, you should read your Bible to, to see these type of scriptures. And that's another a, that's is a, the real deal. Are you picking up your <coughs> Bible and studying to show yourself approved? But... That's the message that's out there, is this, is this grace, whatever you do, it covers it. Let, let, me, let me show you something in that same scripture you're at, Ben. In verse, if you go to verse 29, and he's talking about those that, you know, he talked about, like you said, for if we sin willfully after we come to the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for your sin. And it goes on down, and it says, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of uh, of of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, where he was made holy. This this person was made holy. This person was walking without sin, that he's talking about here, an unholy thing. And had look at the next board, and had done despite. He's insulted the spirit of grace. He has insulted. When you turn back, you you do it. You you, you insulting. Like like Eric said, talking about the uh, grace. Don't take the grace in vain. Here you insulting the grace of God. Amen. And that's what you have out there. People are insulting the grace of God with their sin, saying that grace is this covers it all. The Bible was very clear when he said in Romans 6, 1, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid that kind of thinking. How can we that are dead live any longer in sin thereof? He said, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So yes, amen. Well, in, ver in verse 30 as well, if you keep going down, it says, for we, for we know him that hath said, vengeance <coughs> Belongeth unto me, I will recompense. Maybe I will repay. Um, saith the Lord, and again, the Lord shall judge his people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Yes, sir. Go ahead, Kelly. Excuse me. Luke 12. Luke 12. Back to Luke 12. Yes. A fool for that thinking, and that's the same when you're talking. <coughs> yes. I think they got time. They're fools. Am I wrong in that? You're right on it. You're right on it. Bring it on. Spread the rest of it. Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Hmm. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The point is that he was a fool thinking he had tomorrow. That's right. He didn't have tomorrow. Repent while you still can. Praise the Lord. Yeah, Tyler. Uh, you know, like you were saying, the grace. I mean, it's, it's like Matthew 7, 21. It's my favorite verse. And I always keep it in remembrance. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is heaven. Amen. And then, you know, it just, man, it just, if you're not doing the will of God and you're not believing the way that Jesus wants you to believe, I mean, it's, it's, you're deceived. You're deceived by the devil. 
And there's so many false doctrines out there that a man not of sound mind of the word can easily slip off into divers temptation. And it's, man, it's a blessing to be of sound mind and to differentiate between false and truth. Yeah. Because there is a truth in this word, but the devil also can deceive a man into thinking that something else is truth, you know, because, I don't know, man, it's, it's, like all of us, I mean, I've been through a lot of situations in my life, and I look back on them now, and I can see that God's keeping powers kept me alive, you know. Yeah, the Lord, the Lord has given you opportunity to repent while you stand dead. Uh, that verse that you read, Tyler, is a, is a wonderful verse, and uh, talking about that only the one who does the will of the Father shall inherit the kingdom of God. Right. What is the will of the Father is to, right. is to depart from iniquity. Amen. And he goes down after that to make it That's really right. much clearer. He goes down and he says, he says, in that day you shall say, Lord, have we not cast out devils in your name? Uh, yeah. uh, have, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not done many miracles in your name? And he will say to them, depart from me, you workers of sin, iniquity. You know, so what's, what's holding them up? They say, oh, we're doing all this stuff, man. Just look at my fruit. Just look at all, all this stuff we're doing. We're feeding the poor. We're going out. We've got churches all over. You know, that's not fruit. Because he said, here, they're doing that. But he said, but he said, depart from me, you workers of sin. What does the Lord, everybody wants to try to think, well, I'm just going to tend everybody else's vineyard. You know, Song of Solomon says, my mother's children were angry at me. They made me keepers of the vineyard, but my own vineyard I have not kept. That's right. You need to make sure that you get taken care of. A lot of people think immediately when, when, some, when, they, when they feel like they have somewhat of a relationship with the Lord, they've got to go out and help everybody and do something for everybody, and they get the focus off of them. And at first, you need to focus on getting your life right with God, Amen. on f coming to that place of real repentance and proof of that, prove your own selves, examine yourselves, like it says in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, to examine yourself whether you're in the faith, whether you have stopped. Yeah. You see? Because that's got, that's got to come like that. You've got to come to that full place. And right. it takes as long as it takes for you to realize, I hate that sin. I'm stopping. That's it. It's over with. Amen. Matt, go ahead, brother. Matt, turn you. Can you get a little closer to your mic? We, we you're kind of dim. Can you turn it up any? Is that better? Yeah, we'll just turn our end up. We're good. Okay, go ahead, Matt. Okay. Yeah, I was saying uh, over in Matthew seven. You know, the beginning of it after Jesus said, "Judge not, lest you be judged." He talks about the measure of what you, what you judge, you'll be judged. The measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Right. And then he says in verse three and four, "And why do you?" Look at the speck in your brother's eye, but not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And so what a lot of people don't understand about this is that, you know, like you said with the vineyard example, you've got to first make sure that your own eye is clear so you can see clearly to help your neighbor. And so when a lot of people are, oh, I'm just trying to help everybody else, like, no, yeah, that's good. that makes you a hypocrite. You're yeah. saying, let me help clean up your lives, even though mine's mm -hmm. not right. Mm -hmm. Ours has to be cleansed. We have to have that removed from our eye, which is complete repentance, like you yeah. said. Yeah. That we're done with sin. We stopped. And now I can help others because I can see clearly. <laughs> that's a good point. And also in Luke chapter 6, it says... Um, if the blind, you're blind because you can't see clearly if you got a plank up in your eye, obviously. And if the blind lead the blind, what happens? They both fall in a ditch. 
right? They both fall in a ditch, so you can't help them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Anybody else have something? Jill? Matthew 10, 28, Jill said. Okay, Matthew 10, 28. Jill says, Matthew 10, 28, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And, and that's, that's a good point, Jill, because it, it, people say, well, I don't want to be scared of the Lord. You better be scared. Amen. That's what the Bible tells you to be scared. He says, it's a command. You fear him that is able to kill the, the destroy the body and cast it in hell. And by the way, you say, well, I don't have any fear. You know, the Lord doesn't want us to have any fear of him. Baloney, he says it right here. You need to be scared to death. And trembling that you're you're going to hell, and, and and that will cause you to repent. It'll cause you to. Is this sin worth spending eternity in hell? Absolutely not. You say, well, I, I, you know, he's going to point out. Says, listen, if you want to know what sins to stop, just go to go to First Corinthians six nine. Gives you a list. Know you not that the unrighteous do not inherit the kingdom of God, no fornicator, adulterer, right. sexual immorality, drunkard. It goes on and gives you a list. That's not good enough for you. Then go to Galatians 5.19. Gives you another list. Go to uh, Revelation 20, uh, 21, verse 7 and 8. Another list. Not even a liar is going to enter. So it, it gives you that list of those things that you must turn from and repent from and turn away. If those things are still present in your life, you're not going to make it. Don't fool yourself. Don't let the preachers pat you on the back and say you're okay. That's got to stop. Go ahead, Big George. Hey, brother. Bless you guys. Amazing. I love hearing your uh, your witness in here. I love it. Fires me up, brother Don. Um, I wanted to add here, uh, Proverbs eight thirteen, and turn it back to like what you were saying. Uh, it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Yeah, there you go. Good. The fear of the Lord is Amen, brother. <laughs> wow. That's a good scripture, George. I like Amen. that. I like it's that. Like, uh, I just, uh, who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Amen. You know, Amen. Again, it's the fear that 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 broken and contrite heart that turns from sin and walking in His love is powerful. It's just beautiful. Yeah, a, a good point with that too, George. Is what? Why does a person not hate evil? Why does he not hate sin? Well, it tells you right there because he doesn't fear the Lord. Because right. if he fears the Lord, he's going to hate evil. He's not scared of the Lord. He thinks he's just, he's, he's, he's going to go into eternity, not fearing him. Can you imagine standing before God? And you said, it's too late now. Know. You didn't do it. You didn't, you didn't, have, you didn't fear me. You wasn't scared. You, well, I was told the preacher told me not to, speak, not to fear you. But the Bible says to fear him. You better fear him. Go ahead, Wes. Yeah, I think the, hopefully I'm not on the microphone the, the fear of the Lord part is the main concept, even because uh, we talked about out of Luke chapter 14 mm -hmm. about Jesus saying, and you know, because this is like would be a season of repentance, like what we talked about before. Make sure you're all in, you know, that 
That's what Jesus is really saying in Luke chapter 14, and I'll read this just mm-hmm. so that people get an idea of what, what's good. really being said here. Yeah, it's he good. says, if anyone comes after me, this is verse 26, and does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, right. yes, in his own life, also he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down? First, and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying that this man began to build and was not able to finish, or what king. He goes into that. And um, so really what he's saying here, if you really look at what the passage is saying, it's not saying, hey, you know what, just ride the fence for a while until you're all the way in. It's really saying that if you're either in or you're out, but don't try to claim to be a Christian Amen. and not be all the way in. Like Amen. Ananias and Sapphira, when they said, yes, we gave all, that's supposed to be an idea or an analogy, if you want to say, that shows if you say that you're really a Christian and you are keeping something back, you're not right with God, and the judgment of God is imminent yeah. to your life. You're drinking the cup of the Lord yeah. and the cup of demons, and Paul says you drink damnation to yourself. That's why there's many weak, sick, and feeble among you, you know, and, and, and die. So that's, that's the idea, is you don't have time, but make sure you're not lukewarm. Make sure you're not just... Saying, you know, I'm a Christian, and you know what, I give all to to Jesus. Jesus is saying, set down, count the cost, make sure you're all the way in or all the way out. But yeah, today's the day of salvation, and don't put it off. That's also, uh, you know, the urgency should be there. Just like with John the Baptist, you know, he's preaching a message of repentance, and he's bringing people to where, like, what must we do? What must we do? They're not putting it off. They're not like saying. Hey, you know what? I'll got. I have time. I'm gonna go back later on. I'll come back and ask you what must we do. No, it's like today's a day of salvation. Make things right. But if you're in, be in, and if you're out, be out. Thank you. That's good, OS. I, I want to bring up a point along with that, and and that is that sometimes we get comments from people that say, "Well, you know, seems like y'all always preach on repentance. You need to preach on some other stuff." And uh, I just want to bring out that when you truly have repented it, 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 and you see what's going on around you in this world, your heart burns with passion Amen. to keep speaking it right. and to reach out. Right. Because you know what? A lot of times I think somebody's got it and I'll hear something out of their mouth and say, man, they don't have it yet. Amen. You know? And I'd, and I'd keep preaching it. And, 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 and guys, does, does it ever get... Uh, those that are in, does it ever get old to you preaching on repentance? It's my passion. Amen. Why? Because, man, we are just the few in this world. I want to make sure that they get it right and that they enter the kingdom. And when you really enter into a place where you have truly repented, it'll never get old to you. Preaching repentance will never get old. What good does it do you if you know all about the end times or if you know all about when the Lord's coming back or you know all about all this stuff and you don't have repentance? You don't have anything. And that's what you get. I get Jehovah's Witnesses, different people. Are we waiting for the Lord to come? Man, what are you waiting on the Lord to come for when you're not ready? 
Right. You're not going to make it. It's not going to be a good thing for you, man. You're not living holy. Well, my preacher told me I'm okay because I accept those. I'm waiting for him to come back. He's going to come back and you're going to be found in hell. Yeah. We got this message to put out there. A message of repentance. This is the last hour of the last days we're living in. I believe that. And I think many of you do. So we need to know this well. Because when somebody asks us what, why we believe, we have a reason to show why we believe. And because we have a passion, because we've experienced something that we didn't even think was possible before. And once we got the revelation of it, then I, I, that's all I want to do. I want to preach. I want to share with people. I want to take time. Tyler's here for the first time this morning. Maybe somebody's here for the first time. Maybe Mark was here for the first time the other day. Man, you're preaching on, on covenants or you're preaching on revelation, whatever it is. I'm going to stop. And I'm going to say, I need to help my brother. I need to help this man. I need to help this girl. I need to help whoever it is because this is so important. Yeah. Ought to be a big sign alert. You know, with a big red sign. Got to get this right, guys. Right. And when you get it right, you know what? Then you're going to preach to everybody else. And you're not going to want to hold anything. You're going to want to know more. Like, show me any little nugget. Show me what. Because you want to help save this world. That's dying. People are dying. Millions are dying every day and going to hell because they don't understand the truth. I don't want the truth or whatever it may be. So bear with us with that. Send out that message. Go ahead, George. <laughs> Big smile. <laughs> that are so important that God really wants from us. And it's to walk with him, right? To be loving with him, to repent from our sins, to be holy, right? As he is holy. Amen, amen. And to bring everybody else with us, right? Amen. To all these other people bring them back to the kingdom. You know, share this amazing gift that's been blessed with us to others. You know, that's, uh, that's really on my heart. Right now, but I want to share this. Amen. That's good scripture. I didn't put a scripture out in, in, uh, the, in a book of uh, Hebrews um, that tells us, let us leave therefore the, the beginning principles of the doctrine of Christ and go on to perfection. Amen. Amen. Eric, go ahead. I like this participation. Yeah, Everybody me. said something to say. That's good. <laughs> you got my dog running around. <laughs> you know, John the Baptist. Yeah, man. Come on. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. Amen. Like Brother Don was saying, you don't know what tomorrow brings. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world. We've got a lot of work to do. And the key is repent. Change your mind. Turn away from sin. And begin a new life. Amen. And that's what it's all about. The first words, some of the first words that Jesus spoke. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for that word. And you know, you're hearing, you're hearing people right now that are not sinning anymore. They've stopped sinning. These guys, everyone that's, that's, that's talking, they, they put it into that. They came to that place in their life. Now, they, they have passion. Eric and, and uh, George and Wesley and, and Matt and all of them, all of us, we have passion to get that out because we had the miracle. You, you may have had the miracle happen to you and you're like, man, I got to tell somebody about this. I, I got to help somebody with this. I'm, I'm looking for, I'm always looking for an avenue. And man, I know you did. Where, where can I get in? Where can I get that word in? You know, to be able to look at me and I'm doing like you. Okay. Where can I get that word in to help that other person? 
How can I get something in that may change their life? Because this may be the last moment I have with them. They may not be here tomorrow. They may be gone. I want that opportunity to be able to share. Brother Kelly? Amen. To cease from sin. And then it says that he should no longer live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men but the will of God. For we have spent enough time. Amen. That's what you're talking about. We have spent enough time with our sins and what we did, but God has given us a new mind. He's mm -hmm. armed us with his mind. And that's what you're trying to preach here, bro, is that they don't have enough time. <coughs> so stop thinking that you can spend more time in your flesh, in your sin. Because today is the day of the salvation, uh, salvation right now. Amen. You know, he, he'll make a good southern preacher. You know, okay. <laughs> he fits right in with us over here, Brother Kelly. God bless you, brother. Good word. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Okay. Praise the Lord. Good, good, uh, good words, guys. Good, good, uh, real good, encouraging words from everybody. What a blessing. I love that. All right. Larry, go to Revelation chapter 4. <laughs> Actually, I was, I was getting off on what you were saying. <laughs> oh, you enjoyed it? Okay, good. You're getting off on it. Good. Go ahead, Wes. Wes ain't going to let me go to Revelation. <laughs> go ahead, brother. Uh, another thing to go along with what you're saying is out of uh, Matthew 24, I'm not there. Maybe you can turn over there. And, just, and, and, and to go along with this idea that you have time, uh, Jesus relates his coming to the days of Noah. Yes. Says that they were eating yeah. and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, all the way up until the ark door shut. Mm. And that's the idea that these people. Why would they do that? Because they think it's not serious. You know, it, 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 you know, nothing like this. All like Peter says, all things continue as they were from the beginning. It's the scoffers that mock and scorn and scoff at Noah and say, you're a crazy man, you know? And that's really what people say about us, is they have time, it's not a big deal, uh, and so they scoff at this message. And what was the message? Oh, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. For what, 120 years? Mm. Did Noah change his message? Did he say, hey, I need to get some new material going here? <laughs> no, he kept preaching the same message, just like John for six months, which was like the harbinger for Jesus Christ. He was the person that was heralding a message to, mm. to, to bring about the Messiah, but that's what the same message that we have <coughs> is supposed to herald the second coming of the Lord yeah. when he comes back with all the saints. But uh, I just thought Matthew 24, and if you wanted to say more on that, about they just, they're eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage. They're just living it up for the here and now. Yeah, look at, look at actually, I'm gonna, I think it gives a, a, even a better account in Luke 17. If you go there, that, that's even, uh, I like that account in Luke 17, if you go there. Um, it, it says here in verse 26, if you go to Luke 17 and 26, um, it says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Noah wasn't getting a lot of converts. He was a preacher of righteousness and he preached repentance just like we do. 
So it's not about uh, the results because the Bible says in the last days men would have itching ears turning away from the truth and going about finding preachers and ministers to, to itch their ears and give them what they want to hear. We don't, we, don't, we don't open this Bible to get something we want to hear. We get, open this Bible and say, okay, Lord, what do you have for me to hear? What do you have for me? What, what is it that you'd like me to do? What, 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 what is your direction, God? Leading God, direct me. But he says in verse 26, And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. They had no idea that this was going to happen. They had no clue. They thought they had what? Time. I'm sure there was probably churches there and preachers there and all this of what they called themselves just like we have today. And they thought Noah was a nut, like they think a lot of them think we are. Likewise, also in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted a vineyard. What is it saying? They went about their normal life. Everything seemed to be normal. But it's the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in that day when the Son of Man is, is revealed. In that day, he which is upon the housetop, um, and his, uh, housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it out away or, or in the field and likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever will seek to save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life shall have life. Shall serve it. Um, and he goes on and he talks about this, of what's going on. The, the Lord made it where, um, look at Mark, if you'll turn there. The Lord made it where you really don't know when that time is. We've had people come in and predict oh, when the time of the coming of the Lord is and when that day's coming. Some people think it already came. You know, it, it, uh, you know some doctrines uh, will teach you that. Well, the Lord has already come. All this stuff has already happened. So they all own these different different things. But look what it says in uh, in Mark and um, chapter thirteen. <clears throat> Verse thirty one. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. <laughs> His word stands. That's why we live by it. But of that day and that hour, the coming of the Lord, the end, knoweth how many? No man. No, not the angels which are in heaven. They don't know when it is. Neither the Son. The Son of God doesn't even know. You think you're going to know when the Son don't even know? <laughs> Who knows? The Father. He knows. Some people say, well, Jesus is the Father. No, how can it be? He says, the Son don't know, and the Father knows. Two different. There's the God, the Father, the Almighty God, and there's the Son of God, Jesus Christ. The Son does not know. I didn't say that. That's what the Bible says. But the Father knows. You know what we're to know? We're to know to be ready whenever it is. Always be ready for when it comes. Go with me to, along with this as we follow that trend, go with me to Revelation chapter 4. Now in Revelation chapter 4, we've gone over to all seven churches there in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. And we, we saw the warnings to the seven churches. Um, in Revelation chapter 1, 
the Lord was speaking to John on the Isle of Patmos, and in verse 19, he tells him, he says, Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So John is writing down all the things in the book of Revelation. That's Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19. He's writing down all those things that the Lord is showing him. He wrote those letters to the seven churches. The Lord spoke them. John was just pinning them. He was just writing them down. So we know from this scripture here, he's telling him, write the things that I'm showing you now, the things that are going to happen, and the things that are going to happen hereafter. I want you to write those things down. So John is not saying them himself. It's actually Christ Jesus himself saying them to John to write them down for everyone to be able to read. And he wrote to these churches, and every church, he said at the end when he closed out all seven churches, he said to him that overcomes, will I grant for you to sit with me in my throne I will, I'll give him a new name. I'll write his name in white stone. I'll, oh, he, he shall rule all nations with a rod of iron. All these things he shall eat of the tree of life and live forever. All these churches he did that, but there was always the contingency after every church when he wrote to them, the contingency was to him that overcomes. The person that does not overcome will not inherit the blessing. We see that throughout the scripture. In Revelation 21, 7, it even says, to him that overcomes shall inherit all things. Matt preached on about how many times it, you know, through the book of Revelation. I forget how many times, Matt. I think you said 13. I don't know. I, I may, may have that number wrong. But he's talked about how many times overcoming was necessary in the book of Revelation. Enter. Now, this is what I want you to understand. Very important. Revelation is the last book written, right? It was written by John, the last living apostle, disciple uh, of the Lord. It's the last book written. It was written after Paul. It was written after Peter. These had all passed away, had died. John is still living. If the message that the preachers are preaching today was correct, don't you think that Jesus coming back and speaking in the book of Revelation would go along with what the preachers are preaching today? But not, he's not. The Lord is still saying through the book of Revelation, the one that obeys my commandments, Revelation chapter 22, shall have the right to enter into the gates through the city. All through the book of Revelation, he said, he him that overcomes. The religious world today says overcoming is not an issue. You don't need to do that. All you need to do is accept Jesus and believe in the finished work of the cross by faith and you're saved. You are not saved. Why? Because that's not what Jesus said. I'm going by what Jesus said. The word of God is what I live by, not some word of man. How dare somebody, how crazy it would be, and it's happening all over, for people to trust a man over God. I get all the time things that come at me with you two people coming at me, coming at me, and they tell me these things. All you need to do is trust in the finished work of the cross and criticize me and everything else. And I said, wait a minute. Do you want me to believe you? Rather than believe the word of God? Amen. That would be absolute nuts. Yeah. I'm giving you scripture. You're giving me opinion. Yeah. You're giving me commandments of men. I'm giving you commandments of God. And you want me to believe what you have to say? No. I'm going to live by these words. Yes. You're, you're going to live by these words. I'm not going to tell you something that's in the word. I want you to check it out for yourself. 
These men of God that are here even, uh, they, they want to give you the word. They want you to see it for yourself. We had a person yesterday talking about, well, you know, uh, how do I know that it's true? How do I know it's right? Man, just read it for yourself. It's simple. It's not hard to understand the Bible. Just read what it says and believe it. Pretty easy. When Paul says, awake to righteousness and quit sin, what does that mean? Oh, we got to have a, we got to have a degree in philosophy to understand that. You got to have a degree of philosophy to understand 1 John 2, 6. It says, he that says he knows God and, and that he's a Christian and keeps and does not obey the commandments of God is a liar and the truth's not in him. How much revelation does that take, Brother Cedric? Wes said he didn't get a high school diploma. He understands all that stuff. He's a smart man. He understands the whole, the whole word of God. Hallelujah. You don't, need a high, you don't need a diploma to understand the word of God. And God gives you all the understanding that you need. Amen, Wes? Praise the Lord. <laughs> what, a, what a great brother. But here we are in Revelation chapter 4. He's already speak, spoken to the, three, to the uh, seven churches, and now he's start, starting to show you, and he's going to dig into the, what the, uh, the future things. Watch what he says here. After this, John says, I looked, and he said, I saw this door in the sky in heaven, and the door was open. Whoo, buddy. How you like to see a door open? And he heard a voice saying, like trumpet saying, come up here. Hallelujah. He said, come on up here. And it was talking with him. Come up. And I'm going to show you. I want you to pay attention. This is very, very important from this point on to understand and to read this. I will show you things which must be when? Hereafter. Hereafter. What does that mean? The future, right? Means the future is it, it would be John's future, right? From when John was living at that point that he was living at to the future. I'm going to show you things that are going to happen in your future, John. And, in, and, and, and so John was one of the last disciples living, so he's showing you what's going to happen as future rolls around. So you want to understand it and always go back. Sometimes you'll think, you'll, you'll read things in Revelation maybe and say, well, that happened back then. You know, you're like, whoop. He said, these things are going to happen hereafter. Okay? So that's what we go. That's what we want to go to. And immediately I was caught. I, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat on the throne was to look upon like jasper and sardine and stone. And there was rainbow round about the throne, and sight like unto the emerald. And round about the throne, even they had twenty-four elders, twenty-four seats. I mean, and upon the seats I saw four twenty elders, so twenty-four elders, sitting clothed in white raiment. Hallelujah. It's not like the person in, in, uh, in Matthew 20, 22 that says that uh, many are called but few are chosen and he had their own clothes on. So how do you get into wedding feast? This, this one, these guys had white raiment on. That means they were clean. That means they put on the Lord Jesus Christ and were walking in righteousness. And the, on their heads they had crowns of gold. Do you remember when, when, when in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when Paul was coming to the end of his life? Do you remember what he said, anybody? What did Paul say when he's coming to the end of his life? Come on. Finish my course. Okay, I finished my course. I finished my course. I fought the good fight, right? I've kept the faith. And now is in store for me, what? The crown of righteousness. And not to me only, but to all those who love is appearing. So here's, here's the 24 elders. They clothed in white. They got white. They got white raiment on. Now, it could be, if you turn with me to Revelation chapter 21... I'm going to let you decide yourself on this, but here in Revelation chapter 21, when the Lord is uh, talking about the new Jerusalem, 
uh, the Lamb, as they look at the New Jerusalem descending from heaven, and he, he begins to describe what he's seeing, uh, the walls and stuff. And, he, and if you go down to uh, verse 12, and, and it says, A great wall high, and it had 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Okay, those are the 12 tribes of Israel, which was, you know, Judah, Jacob, you know, all the sons of, of, of uh, Jacob, excuse me. On the east three gates, and on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates, and on the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles. So you see there, those are 24 elders. Could they be the 24 elders there? I'll leave that up to you. But that's, that's 12 of the apostles and the 12 patriarchs of Israel that are there at the gate. So this could be the 24 elders that we're talking about here. And out of the throne proceeded lightning and thundering and and um, and <coughs> and voices, and they were given lamps of burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Go with me to uh, Isaiah chapter 11. And verse 1. says, and there shall come forth out of the rod of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. This is speaking of Christ. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So we see they are those spirits of the Lord. Okay, let's go back to Revelation chapter 4. Just to give you that there to look at. <clears throat> Verse 6. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal in the midst of the throne. And round about the throne were four beasts or living creatures. Full of eyes before and behind. And the first living creature was like a lion or the beast. The second was like a calf. The third, the, the face of a man. The fourth, the be, uh, was, the living creature was like the flying eagle. So there, there's four living creatures. We've seen so far at the throne. We've seen this throne room. Now you can just imagine. There's lightning. There's thundering. He looks on the throne. Man, the, the, the one sitting on the throne is beautiful with all this emerald and jacinth and all these different things. And it's just glowing and just beautiful. And then there's these, there comes up and he sees four living creatures. They're not human. They're living creatures. And they got six wings, and they, they move into and fro. And, and what are they saying? It says that, um, it says in verse 8, And the four living creatures had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day, they don't rest day nor night, 24 7, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, which was and is and to is to come. Yeah. Praising the Lord. 24-7. You know, when you praise the Lord, I want you to think about you're praising the Lord with these four living creatures. You're praising the Lord with those hosts of heaven because they are praising the Lord constantly. You can't be praising the Lord at any time. that They're not praising the Lord. Get up in the middle of the night. Get up any time. Hey, I'm joining in, guys. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise the Lord. Even we sing songs, Kelly. We praise the Lord with the holy angels and with all the angels and all the four living creatures and all the 24 elders. We're praising the Lord with them because they're going on constantly right now. I can take it like in Ezekiel chapter 1. 
It talks about, again, the seraphims with the, se with the six wings. We talk, it talks about the living creatures, and we still see those. The, 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 it exemplifies imperfect, and it says they're singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Uh, that, that's found in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. Uh, it's also found in the book of Isaiah, and I can give you those to you after Christ, but uh, after we, we have, uh, have this time. But I didn't want to go through all that with you because uh, I want to kind of get through this. So, but this is the throne of God being revealed. And it says, and when the, these, those beasts, verse 9, give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders, they also fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, yeah. honor, power, for thou hast created all things, listen to this, and for thy pleasure they are and recreated. Were you created by God? Then you were created for his pleasure. I want to please God. Hallelujah. I'm going to praise the Lord because that's what I'm created for. Is I'm created to please God. Romans 8 says, those that walk in the flesh cannot please the Lord. But he said, lift up clean hands, holy hands unto the Lord and praise him. Hallelujah. Brother West? Yeah, I think obviously there's a lot of uh, things that seem to be uh, spoken here and uh, their throne room experience. But I would say that at the very least, you can go away from this. And Jesus said, you know, you know, the, te the disciples were like, teach us to pray. And so Jesus eventually said, you know, thy kingdom come, pray like this, in this manner. Not exact words, but this is the idea. Pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it, like, like you said, there's these 24 elders that they're responding to these four living creatures and when the four living creatures are doing something, they're doing something as well, obviously, and, and casting their crowns, bowing down. So if we're supposed to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we're supposed to have some of these same qualities, if you want to say. Uh, the first one's a lion. Well, we know the Bible says the, 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 the righteous are as bold as a lion. So obviously, that's a quality that the righteous have. We know a calf could represent <laughs> sacrifice. You know, we're supposed to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. Obviously, the face of a man would that's you know could be just showing that a hey, humanity. Jesus came, you know, as a man. Um, but then you also have um, the eagle. The eagle obviously represents somebody that's watchful. They have like an aerial view. Uh, so then you see these qualities of eyes from behind, eyes in front, or eyes within. So it's not just an external idea of righteousness. It's an internal idea of righteousness. And these are those that are before the throne. And then obviously you can see the humility that the, the 24 elders have in casting their crowns before the throne in worship. And they're always in this heart of worship. Yeah. towards God in their lifestyle. It's not just eyes without, it's eyes within. It's worship be God in spirit and in truth. Yeah. So I just thought Amen. You know, these could, this could be like metaphoric language of how we're supposed to portray ourselves in, in our prayer at least towards God. <coughs> thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, and, and, and David reiterates this in the book of Psalms. 
uh, he, he, David was a man of praise. And he praised him with the stringed instruments. He praised him with all the music. He said, make a loud noise unto the Lord. He said, praise him in the midst of the congregation, he said. He said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Why? Because he is worthy to be praised. Now, I want to ask you one other question. Who is sitting on the throne of God here? Huh? Who is sitting in Revelation chapter 4? Who is sitting on the throne of God? Huh? Good word, brother. Yeah, watch Revelation chapter 5. I'm just going to take you this because we're there talking about it. <clears throat> Verse 6 of chapter 5 says, And I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and, on, and, and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders, which is we just talked about, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth from all the earth. Right? Who is that talking about? Jesus. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. Who, who was sitting on the throne again, Tyler? The Father. Who comes and takes it out of his hand? Jesus. Jesus. The word. The word. Yeah, some people say, want to say, well, the Father is Jesus. Some people say, well, uh, you know, there's a trinity. They're all one. They, they all, you can't separate them. You got, they're separated. The Son is coming and taking the scroll out of the hand of the Father, the Almighty God, sitting on the throne of God. You see that? Oh, you actually, it's three. Yeah, exactly. But, but some want to say, well, it's all one. Trinity. That's not right. Jesus is not the Father. Jesus is the Son of God. The Father has exalted him far above every name that is named. The Father has, has, has angels to worship and we all worship him, but he's talking and they worship the lamb. You'll see that in, in this chapter also, but actually you see him coming, the lamb of God coming and taking the scroll out of the hand, the father that's sitting on the throne of God. I don't know what people do with that. I mean, that's pretty clear, isn't it? It's pretty clear. I don't know. It, uh, it seems like I can remember, and Lord, forgive me if I'm wrong, but it seems like I can remember somewhere in scripture says, I received my faith by the son of man. And if you it just goes to show you, like, kind of back up what you were saying. If you're the son of man, then there's got to be a father, right? Yeah, he, he, yeah, he says that Jesus was the express image of the father. To see the son is to see the father. But it's not that, they're, that, that they weren't, just like to see us, they, need, they would see Jesus. You see, because he says, those things that you've seen and heard and learned of me do, and the God of peace be with you. Praise the Lord. I want to kind of, uh, go ahead, Matt, go ahead. You had something on your heart? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, I was just going to add to what you're saying. And the reason some people might be wondering, especially if maybe it's their first time tuning in and why it's important, is because we want to say like Jesus said. And, you know, he said in, in uh, John 14, 28, that if you love me, you rejoice that I said I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And so what I found, people might think, well, what does it matter that we understand that God is, is above Jesus and, that, and, and the order of things? What I have found that with a lot of people is it's a stumbling block because of James chapter 1, when they, they read verse 13, where it says, Let no one say he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. And what it actually does is it takes away the glory of Christ, and that he was a man. God cannot be tempted. Jesus was. That he really was tempted in all points as we are, as mm. Hebrews 4 says, yet without sin. 
And so as, as you've, you've shared before, you know, Jesus could have sinned. Otherwise, there's no point in the temptation. And so a lot of people, this becomes a stumbling block because they, they make him equal with his father or they replace him with the father or, you know, they, they do the other things that you were mentioning. And what they say is, oh, well, I don't have a Messiah that I can follow because it was too easy for him because he was God himself. He was God Almighty. Now, he's the son of God, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And that was what Peter had confessed. And that was what was so, that was what was good enough. And Jesus said, you know, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed it to you, but my Father in heaven. So if that was good enough for God and for Jesus, to confess that, then it's good enough for us. And it, it can remove a stumbling block that so many people put on others. Amen. And that's a good point uh, that you brought up, Matt, because uh, knowing that Jesus was tempted in all points, just like us, yet he didn't sin. To make that example to us, to how to walk in him, he said to follow his steps. Tyler's description, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that says, no temptation has taken you. We all get tempted. Temptation is not to sin. That's right. But he says, no temptation has taken you, but such as is common to man. We all go through the temptations. But God is faithful. I love that. When he says, God is faithful, who would not allow us to be tempted beyond what we're able, but will, through the temptation, make a way of escape. That's one of the most beautiful scriptures to me, the most relieving thing. That's when I found out I can never say, sin again because all I have to do is take the way of escape. And I'll never sin. That's my promise from the Lord. You want to memorize that scripture. It's just a blessing. But it's so good today to be uh, here today and to hear from each of you. Everyone spoke some great words. But the main thing is it's not just to speak the words and to understand them. But it's actually to apply them to your life. And to live those words. You know, um, if there's anything in your life, I pray to God, I hope that these words today brought some conviction yes. on some. It may be something you may be thinking, well, nobody else knows about. Nobody sees it. You're not fooling God. Right. You need to stop doing it. Maybe a habit that you've done for years and you practice and you say, man, this is hard to get. Let me tell you something. Kelly knows. A lot of you know. There could be some strong, strong addictions. Drugs, porn, yeah. adultery, yeah. some strong addictions, cigarettes, alcohol. We can go on and on with the list. And there may be a time of suffering going through stopping those things. There's going to be some, there could be some suffering, yeah. very well be. Amen. But the scripture that Kelly said earlier at 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2, he says, after you've suffered a while, you know, you may suffer through it. After you've suffered a while. He perfects you. You stop sinning. Yeah. It may be a week, maybe two weeks that you're going through the suffering from withdrawing from. You're not doing it anymore. Okay, that's repentance. It's stop doing it. And you're going to suffer through it because those temptations and that, those fu bodily functions that you were doing the drugs with and the, or you were doing those things with or, or, or have addictions and you were addicted to that. I'm, I'm still addicted, but I'm addicted to the ministry. Amen. That's what Paul said. I'm addicted to the ministry. So I'm, I switch my addiction. But you may have a time of suffering, and I urge you to go through it. There's no way around it. Remember what the scripture says in Hebrews 12, 4. He says, you've not yet resisted sin to the shedding of blood. 
That's how, that's how much you resist that. Brother Don, did you want to say something, my brother? It's good to see you. Brother Don? Oh, I think we woke him up. Okay. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He must have accidentally hit his camera. You look good, Don. We can't hear you, though. Take it off mute. I don't know. But anyway, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You do hallelujah yet? Have you done this one yet? No. Okay. to think about like in Titus 2, 11, 12 where God has given us His grace His great grace to teach us right? It teaches us to do what? To deny, to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and worldly lust God has delivered me and Just put that right in for you Thank you Here, I'm sorry brother Larry, come get this Thank you, Lord, for your great grace. Thank you, God, for saving me. One day, Lord, I'll see your face. What a day that will be. When all no praise begins to ring, and every Hallelujah, 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 your holy name. I will live to honor you and forever, Lord, you reign on high. I will sing, yes, I will sing. Hallelujah, mm. Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
so comely, Lord. We love you and we worship you, Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. Well, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, and I will feast at a table spread for me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days, all the days of my Yeah. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. What a blessing. So good to be with my brothers. What you got, Cedric? Do you, do you see 